Okay, we're learning Daf Chavtes. We're in the middle of Sugi of Mitzvah Sirchus Kavana. When a person is doing a mitzvah, does he have to have das? Does he have to have in mind that he's trying to fulfill the mitzvah, or is it, does it suffice just the fact that Lamaisa he's doing the action of the mitzvah? So we had a dispute about this yesterday. But Lamaisa Rava held mitzvahs in Sirchus Kavana that if a person is yotze the mitzvah even without das, without the intent to try to be yotze. So today the Gemara now moves on to another point. Amalei Rab Zera Lishamai the bottom of Chav Chesem Beis top of Chatesem Aleph now Yichavin Vashmalei Rab Zera said. To, to a shamash, when you blow the shofar, have in mind that you're blowing it for me. So here, when a person is Yodzei shofar, they're not listening, they're listening because someone else is blowing for them. So Rabbi is saying that you have to blow the shofar for me, and you have to think about the fact that you're being to me. This is the point. It's not enough just for one person to blow the shofar and someone else to listen. The one who is blowing has to have in mind that he is being motzi the other person. That the mashmiya, the one blowing, requires intent. That What intent? Not stam that he's doing the mitzvah, but intent that he wants to do the mitzvah for somebody else, that uh, he should cause the listener to be to his chiv. So Rashi learns, the way Rashi learning Pshan and the Gemara should come out, that, uh, that that this disagrees with Rava because Rava holds that even when you're even when you're when you come to be yotzei mitzvah you don't have to have kavana mitzvah einzvichas kavana. So according to Rava, presumably, if mitzvah einzvichas kavana, we wouldn't say that the one blowing the shofar has to have in mind that he's being motzi the uh, the one listening. We would say it'd be fine even without that. Lamai say here the shofar everything would be fine. It sounds like he's holding Rebzera that mitzvahs do need kavana, and then the idea is it's not enough that you have kavana when you're listening to the shofar. You would also need the one blowing the shofar to have in mind that he is being motzi. To you as well. So it would seem to be a disagreement with what we learned yesterday. Says the more amazing way we have a kasha for the mission. The mission said, someone who's passing behind the shul, or his house was next to the shul, on Rosh Hashanah, you hear the sounds of the shofar coming from the shul, on Purim, he hears the sound of the Megillah coming out. If he's concentrating, he's Yotze. If he's Yotze, but if he doesn't concentrate, lo Yotze, he's not Yotze. Now, what does it help that he has Kavana? The guy who's passing by, what's it going to help if he has Kavana? But the one who's blowing is not intending for the, for the one listening to be, to be Yotze. So the question basically is, is that if Reb Zera is right, that, it, that, that you need Kavana of the one reciting or blowing the shofar to be motzi the listener. So how do you have that in the scenario where you're walking behind the shul? When you're walking behind the shul, the person in the shul doesn't even know you're there. So the Gemara explains, you're dealing with a shliat tzibar, you're dealing with somebody who's, who's, who's reading the Megillah for the whole tzibar, dealing with the baltakeh in the shul, that died whose mind is on everybody. Meaning if your job is a shliat tzibar, you're being motzi the rabbin, then your das is whoever needs to be yaiti, I'm being mighty. You don't have to go through, oh, who's here in the shul? Is it this person, that person? Eh, the das is on the tzibar. So then, as long as the person is walking behind and he, he wants to be Yotze, everything is fine. And we say that the Shliya Tzibar's Das is, you know, vague enough for the whole Tzibar and he's included in that. But in a private individual who's blowing and uh, he's not intending to be Motzi other people, then even if somebody else would hear it, he would, in fact, would not be Yotze. And that's why Rebzer was telling Hishamash that he had to have in mind to be Motzi him. Says the Gemara Tashma, let's bring another Brightsa to ask in Rebzer. The Brightsa says, If the listener had intent, but the one making the, the, the chauffeur sound did not... Or the one making the shofar sound had intent, but the listener did not have intent. One had one of them had an intent, and the other didn't. In both cases, the one listening is not yotzei. We require both the listener and the one making the sound to have intent. So we require both of them to have intent. So what does it mean, both of them to have intent? What type of intent? The intent on the listener is das to be yotzei the mitzvah. But what is the das that we're talking about on the one blowing? So the Gemara says, we, since it says that two 
next to each other, and there, there, there are like two parallel cases here, we should assume that the das of the mashmiah is like the das of the shemeah. Mashmiah, shemeah, la'atzmo, just as a listener, he's listening for himself, and the das that we need, he, that he, the bride is talking about is that he should be yotze, af mashmiah, shemeh So too it means that the blower is blowing for himself. And the Bryson still says in the first case that the listener has not been Yose. So meaning, what does it mean here? The Bryson was saying in the first case that the listener is not Yose unless the blower had in mind um, had in mind to be Yose his Chiyav. So what that means is, it's mashma if the blower was blowing for his own mitzvah, the listener fulfills the mitzvah if he wanted to be Yotze. But according to Reb Zerah, you need more than that. It's not enough that the blower wants to be Yotze his mitzvah, and the listener wants to be Yotze his mitzvah. You need more. You need something that's connecting. You need that the one blowing is trying to be Motzi, the listener. So we're saying that the Bryce is not mashma like that. The Bryce is mashma that as long as the blower was trying to do the mitzvah, and the listener had intent to be Yotze the mitzvah, everything would be fine. You don't specifically need das from the blower that he should be Motzi the one listening. So it's a kasha and Reb it shouldn't suffice that the blower had das to do the mitzvah. We, we should need more. We should need that he had das to be mostly the listener. So we have a kasha and Reb So the Gemara says, no, no, he, the truth is, is the says it upon Brisa, Shomer, Shomer, the listener has to listen for himself, meaning he has to listen with the das to be yotzi his chiyuv, the one making the sound can make it heard. So what does that mean? And just even if it happens to be incidental, as long as he's blowing for himself and other people happen to hear what he's saying, they would be yotze, even though it's lefidarko, meaning they're not necessarily having, um, he, the blower is not necessarily having in mind to be motzi them. So the Tanakama Taco doesn't hold like Rav Zera, but Amar Rav Yosef, when is the two with the Shliat Sibar? Shliat Sibar, we assume, the assumption is that he's blowing on behalf of everybody. When you're talking about an individual blowing, lo yatsa, then the one listening wouldn't be Yotze. Until both the listener and the one making it have specific intent that they want to do it for the listener's mitzvah. So Rav Zera is following Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef here is coming to argue. Rav Yosef is coming to say that it's not enough when somebody stopped randomly blew the shofar for the mitzvah. He has to be blowing it more for the mitzvah of the listener. He has to be having that specific das that is for the das that the listener should be Yotze. So that opinion of Rabbi Yossi, that's where Rabbi is coming held like. So the Maskaras had Devarim, we had different issues here. We had a machlokas in general of Mitzvah Srichas Kavana for Mitzvah Srichas Kavana. And then if we assume that Mitzvah Srichas Kavana, we have now a secondary issue, which is that when you're hearing, when you're being Yotze in Mitzvah through, through listening to somebody else, does that other person have to know that they're doing it for you to be Mitzvah in the Mitzvah? Or do we say that it's okay if he just does it for the sake of the Mitzvah and you're listening, is that okay? So we end up saying that that's a dispute in the Amaram and the Tanam. Okay, so now we move to the Mishnah, and we were just talking about, you know, having intent to do the mitzvah. So once we talk about intent for the mitzvah, we talk about a little bit of a milsa agarita, something in agarita where we see kavana being so important. The Pasuk says, So this is in Parshas Bishalach, and the Jewish people are fighting with Amalek. So it says that Moshe went to the top of the mountain, when he would pick up his hands, then the Jews would win. When he would drop his hands, then the Jewish people wouldn't win. So the question is, Moshe's hands win or lose a battle? Like, how could that be? Obviously, whether or not he picks up his hands or not isn't going to determine. It's not a miracle here. And the Lomelechah comes to tell you, when Moshe was raising up his hands, and the idea is that Kleiser was looking up, and they were humbling themselves to their father in heaven, and they would win. So the idea is that when they looked up, instead of focusing on their enemy, they were looking up, 
still looking at Hakadosh Baruch Hu. They're davening. So when Moshe's hands were up, it were, were, were raised, and it was inspiring the people to daven and have the right kavana. Then they would win the war. They laugh, but if it, that's not happening, if Moshe's hands were falling, and 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 he wasn't, it wasn't a single Klai Yisrael to daven. Then how you know from Then they fall. So basically, it seems that all of it was based upon whether you're davening. But the question is, you know, like. Why at the ultimately why is Moshe picking up his hands or putting them down? Meaning you should always just keep them raised and inspire the people. So it could be that the Achronim explained here a nice a nice idea that Moshe Moshe's strength to pick up his hands is really coming from the people. So it really means when Klal Yisrael would be Machav and Libam, so that would give Moshe the Koach to pick up his hands metaphorically. And then that then then they would win. When Klal Yisrael was fighting too much in the war and they weren't focusing on, on Akadosh Baruch Hu, they were fight they were fighting too much in the war, then Moshe's hands metaphorically were down and they would they would lose. Another time where we find Kavana making such an important point, Omer, we find this similarly in another Pasik. The Pasik says that that when right the, the Jewish people were punished and snakes came to bite them. So what did Hashem say? Hashem told Moshe, go make a, a serpent, make the the snake and put it on top of a pole. And what will happen? Anyone who gets a bite will look up at the snake and he will live. So it sounds like a miracle. It's like a person gets the, the snake bite, he looks up at the snake, and uh, suddenly everything's fine. How does this happen that the, there's magical powers to this snake on top of the pole? It's all about the Kavana. When Kalaiso look up and they humble their hearts to, to the Akalish Baruch, and then they were healed. But if they're not going to do that, and then they would die. So the idea of the snake was not that it itself had miraculous power, but rather that it was a simon to inspire Klai Yisrael to daven, and then they would be healed. Okay, now we continue. Before we were talking about if you could be Yotzeh the Mitzvah without Kavana. Now we continue Cheresh, a person who is totally daft, so he's Pater from Mitzvah, so it's considered like he has no Das, Shota, somebody who is deranged, he doesn't have Das at all, a Katan or a minor. So these people are not obligated in the Mitzvah of Shofar. Since these people are not obligated in the midst of shofar, the mission can tell you they can't cause the public to be yotze. So, meaning if you're not obligated in the mitzvah, the mission is telling you an interesting point. You can't be mozi somebody else either. Anyone who's not chayiv in something, someone who's not chayiv in a mitzvah, and he also cannot cause the public to be yotze the mitzvah. In order to be mozi somebody, you have to be able to do the mitzvah for them. So, you have to be chayiv in the mitzvah in order to be able to, to have that capacity to be mozi somebody else. If you're not chayiv in the mitzvah, then you don't have the capacity to be a mozi. Continues the Gemara Tan Rabbanon. We learn in a price. Everybody's chayav to blow the shofar. Kohanim, Levim, Yisraelim. Whether you're Kohen, Levi, Yisrael, Gerim, someone who converted. Avadim, Shochar, and a freed slave. Tumtum, Androgonus. These are people, their, their gender is unclear. Tumtum is a suffix. Androgonus displays signs of both. So his gender is confused. Or somebody who is a half-slave and half-free. So a half-slave and half-free means someone is a master from two different owners. And then one, one partner, uh, partner is in him. So one partner frees him. The other partner does not. So what does that make? That makes that now half of him is chayv and mitzvah and half is not. So in all of these cases, they're chayv and tekiah shofar. So the Gemara now discusses tumtum. Tumtum can't be motzi another one who's like him or someone who's not like him. Meaning he can't be motzi a normal male who's for sure chayev to, to hear it. He can't be yotzi from a tumtum because a tumtum might be a woman and then a woman can't be motzi man. The woman's not obligated to Mrs. Eshaz man grandma. He also can't be motzi another tumtum because maybe the tumtum blowing is a woman and the tumtum listening is a male. So therefore one tumtum can't be motzi another tumtum. In contrast, Androgynous, Androgynous, remember he displays, he has he has both sides of a male and a female. So Moti has meaning. He can be Moti, another androgynous. 
drogonis, avaloshinu, he can't be motzi a man. Can't be motzi a man because androgonis might have the halachic status of a woman, so then he can't be motzi a man. But he can be motzi another androgonis because they're definitely both androgonis. So either both androgonis, androgonis is considered like a man or considered like a woman, but to whatever extent androgonis would be chayv, he'd be able to be yotze from another androgonis. Misha Chatsyov, 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 if I have someone who's a half slave and a half free, ain't no motzi, let's meet a He can't be motzi someone else who is like him. He, one half slave cannot be motzi another half slave, and he can't be motzi someone who is for sure a totally freed person. So it seems like we're going to see this a little bit more in the Gemara coming up, but the half slave, like there's part of him that's chayv and part of him that's pater. So he's not totally obligated. So since he's not totally obligated, he can't be motzi someone who's totally obligated. But more than that, we're saying a bigger novelty is that he can't be motzi even somebody else who is somewhat obligated. And that's hard to understand, right? He's somewhat obligated, so why can't he be motzi someone else who's somewhat obligated? So it seems like it's not like divisible. You know, it's like there's a part of him that's free and a part of him which is not. So he can't produce the sound that is even for somebody else who is half obligated, but we'll see the details coming up in a second here in the Gemara. So first the Gemara analyzes the first part of the Bright. So Amar Mar. We said, Everyone's chayv, whether it's a Kohen or Levi Yisrael. If these people want to be obligated, who's obligated? Meaning, like, that is Klai Yisrael. Why do you have to specifically speak out Kohen Levi Yisrael? So the Gemara answers, It's the novelty here is that even Kohenim are chayv. You may have thought this day, What does it say about Rosh Hashanah? It should be a day of blowing. One day of blowing. So I would say the implication is that the Torah is only obligating in the mitzvah of shofar someone who's obligated just once a year to blow the shofar. So most people in Klai so should be chayv because the only time they have to blow the shofar is today on Rosh Hashanah. They're obligated to blow all year round. When carbonos were brought, they're supposed to blow the chatzorotzos. So since they're chayv and tekiyos all year round, so they're not included in this special day of Yom Teruah. The Pasuk implies that who's mechuyiv? Someone who's mechuyiv only this one day a year. So I would say it's an exclusion of Kohanim from the mitzvah. I would say they're not chayv. Therefore tells us that everybody's chayv, even Kohanim. Says the Gemara, what's going on? You're saying that they normally blow the, blow the shofar all year round because they blow the chatzorotos? Me, dummy, that's not true. There, it's true that they're blowing the trumpets, but they're not blowing the shofar all year round. So this is the only day a year that they would blow the shofar. So again, we're saying that the Torah says that it's a day that you blow the shofar, which implies... It implies that um, it should be the only day of the year that the person is blowing the shofar. Fine, but that shouldn't exclude the Kohanim just because all year round they blow the trumpets. What's the connection? Says the Gemara, what is that? We learned in the Mishnah, that the halachos by the Yovel year are identical to the halachos of Rosh Hashanah for blowing and for the brachos, meaning that the dinim, the dinim of Rosh Hashanah shofar are connected to the to the dinim to the laws of Yom Kippur shofar for Yovel. So I would say, and where does that come from? Because there's a hekish which connects them that the laws of shofar are the same by Rosh Hashanah and Yovel. So I would say, man, the easy mitzvahs Yovel is only someone who's chayv in the mitzvahs of Yovel. They're completely chayv in all the mitzvahs of Yovel. And again, the mitzvahs of Yovel are you free. Your slaves and all the lands go back, all the ancestral fields. See, see, it's Rosh Hashanah. So those people would be subject to the mitzvah of blowing shofar on Rosh Hashanah. But Hani Kohanim, regarding the Kohanim Levim, all of those mitzvahs of the Yovel, they're not fully chayv in the mitzvah of Yovel. In what sense? They're above the law. Certain applications of the dinim and Yovel aren't relevant to Kohanim Levim. as it says in the Mishnah, Kohanim Levim, Kohanim Levim can sell their property at any time, and redeem it at any time. So therefore, they're not subject to the regular restrictions of the Yovel year and the way that land is sold. They're above the laws of Yovel. So if they're above the laws of Yovel, 
Maybe that exempts them from the mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah because since I see that the shofar on Rosh Hashanah is connected to the dinim and the laws of blowing the shofar on Yovel, so I would say that the Kohanim, since they aren't completely obligated in all aspects of Yovel, well then maybe they don't have the mitzvah of blowing the shofar on Rosh Hashanah Kamash and that's why the Tana had to tell us that no, that the, the, the Kohanim are in fact Chayav in the mitzvah of shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Okay, now we analyze the final part of the bride. So, Misha Chetzev Chetzev someone who's half slave, half slave and half free. So, an interesting phenomenon here. Half of him is chayv and the mitzvah, and half of him is not. Eno moti, he cannot fulfill lois mino, lois mino. Not someone who's chayv, not someone, not someone who's fully chayv, or even someone else who's exactly like him. So, the Gemara makes an inference. He could blow the shofar for himself. Meaning, if, if the, if we're only saying that he can't be moti another half free man, but he could blow the mitzvah for himself. In other words, half of him is chayev, and he is capable of producing a shofar sound that would be motzi himself, that when he listens to it, he's going to be yotzi, he'll be yotzi from a tekiah. Meaning he doesn't necessarily have to hear the shofar in order for the half of him that's chayev to be yotzi, he doesn't have to hear it from someone who's completely obligated. He could blow it for himself. He can't be motzi another half free man, but he could be motzi himself. So the Gemara says, what's going on here? What's different about that when he blows for other people? Meaning, why is it true? This is the hard halacha. To say that he can't be motzi a fully free person that we understand, because that other person is fully obligated and the half free man is only half obligated. But why can't he be mostly someone else who's only half obligated? Must be the enslaved part of him cannot come and be mostly the free part of the other person. Meaning, it's like all it's like different parts, and the sound is, is being produced from someone who's half free and half slave. And we say that the part of him that is not obligated, cannot cause the part of the other person, the recipient, who is obligated to be Yotze. It's interesting that we look at it like that. In other words, we don't just say it's all big, you know, one mix. The person is overall half obligated. So you could be mostly someone else is half obligated. No, we say like there's a certain like divisibility here and like the sound is being produced in a way by the half that is not obligated. So how could the half that is not obligated be mozi somebody else and his where the recipient has a half that is obligated. We see there's a problem. There's like a lack of connection between the half of the blower who is not obligated and the half of the recipient who is obligated. So if that's the issue and that's why he can't be mozi another half free man. So that should be an issue when he blows for himself. So the slave part of him cannot be mozi his free part. So we should have to go to shul and listen from the shofar from someone who's totally obligated because then he's hearing a tekiah that's totally mitzvah, and that will be mozi, the half of him that is obligated. But if this person who's half free, half slave is going to blow for himself, then we should say that, no, that sound is being produced partially by the half of him that is not obligated, so that can't be mozi, the half of him which is obligated. So how is he? How could he blow for himself? So, he cannot blow even for himself. It's impossible for him to be mozi even himself because the tekiah that will be, will be blown is not going to be considered a full tekiah of a mitzvah because it's going to be blown from, by, by a person who is partially exempt. So therefore the half of, of him which is chai, which needs to hear the shofar, needs to hear a full mitzvah of shofar. And he didn't hear a full mitzvah of shofar because the, it's, the sound was produced by a part which was not obligated in the mitzvah. Says the Gemara we see like this in a half slave and half free. He can't be mozi himself. What a tremendous chiddush here. Now the achronim all you know like we struggle with this just to understand. Let's say we have a half free man. Is he chayiv and lulav? Right. So obviously he's chayiv and lulav because of the half of him which is uh, the half of him which is chayiv and mitzvah. So he's going to shake lulav for himself. So it's such an interesting thing that when it comes to shofar, he can't blow the shofar for himself. He's going to have to hear the shofar only from somebody else who's totally chayiv in the mitzvah. We're going to say if he hears if he blows the shofar for himself. 
the sound was produced by the half um, slave, and 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 that can't that can't be motzi, uh, the, the 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 half of him which is free. It seems that when like you're blowing the shofar for yourself, it's almost like you're being motzi yourself, like you're producing the sound, and then you have to listen to it afterwards. And it's like this: we need this connection between the blow and then the listening. You need like both aspects here, and this really touches on the big chaykira, which is the is the mitzvah, the blowing is the mitzvah, the hearing, and that's what you kind of see in the gemara. That's the complexity. If you have someone who's half obligated and half not obligated, the gemara is coming out. He can't blow for himself because the sound that is made is coming from the half as well, which is not obligated. So how is it going to be motzi, the half of him which is obligated? Continues the Gemara here, very regarding all brachos. Even though a person was already yotze, meaning you have to make a bracha. If you have to make a bracha, um, you could make the, even though you already did the mitzvah and you already yotze the bracha, you could still make the bracha for other people as well. So let's say, you know, like you already made the bracha on the shofar and then you're coming, you're blowing the shofar again for people who didn't hear the shofar. The Gemara is saying is that you could, you could make another, you could make another bracha for the recipients, even though you've already been yotze the mitzvah, you could still make another bracha for the recipients. So this is a tremendous novelty because how could you say that, you know, Asher Kishon, we're supposed to be on this mitzvah. Thank you, Hashem, for commanding me in the mitzvah. You already were yotze the mitzvah. So why isn't a bracha levatala? What's this principle that called, that you're able to make the bracha for somebody even after you have already been yotze? So it seems like a very difficult concept. But the Rishonim explained that the idea is kol Yisrael ha-revim zelazeh, that there's a chiyav that all Jews have to take care of one another. So since we all have to take care of one another, so if you were in Yotze the Mitzvah, so then it's the, the, through the din of Arvis, the principle of Arvis, and I'm accountable for you, I can recite the bracha on your behalf. The exception is bracha that we make on food, meaning it's not a bracha ha mitzvah. So it's not a bracha that we make on a mitzvah, like carrying the shofar. It's a bracha that we recite bracha ha Those types of things are different. If you hadn't yet done, meaning if everyone's sitting down to break bread together, then you can make the bracha for, for, for everybody. But if you already say, then you can't cause other people to be yotze. And what's the idea? Bracha ha are different. Bracha ha is all about. Berchaz is all about thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu before you derive the pleasure. So because it's not absolutely obligatory, so you can't say the din of arvas, right? It's more about if you're going to take pleasure, so then you have to thank Hashem. So therefore, it's more befitting that those who are taking pleasure, those who are taking the pleasure should make the bracha for themselves. So if we're all taking the pleasure together, we're having a communal meal, so then in that setting, we could say that one person can make the bracha for everybody. But unless it's a setting that we're taking all the hanah together, then we say that each person who's who, who, who each person needs to make their own bracha. So if I already made a bracha of hamotzi and 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 you need someone to say hamotzi, you should say hamotzi for yourself. I can't make the bracha for you. That's the point of the gemara. So there's a principle of arvas. I can make a berachas mitzvahs for you, but that principle does not extend to berachas hanenin. So the gemara asks, "By Rava, Rava has a shaila. Top of the base, berachas halacham shalmatza. What about when you make the bracha?" Before eating matzah on Seder night. So before you eat matzah on Seder night, you're going to make, obviously, two brachos. Hamotzi and also al matzah. So one of them is the berkas HaMitzvah, but the berkas HaMotzi there is, is the berkas HaNenin. But on the other hand, you're obligated to make the berkas HaNenin. It's like a funny scenario. Normally, you don't have to eat bread. Here, you're obligated to make the berkas HaNenin. So what would the halacha be in that case? Or another example, berkas HaYam What about the Buri Peragafen by Kiddush? So there again, it's a berkas, it's a Buripiragafen, but you're obligated to say the Buripiragafen because you're obligated to make Kiddush. So in that case, ma, what's the halacha? Do I say, since it's an obligation to eat matzah or recite Kiddush, 
Kiddush. Mapix, one Yid could be Motzi another Yid. Even if you already, let's say, Yotze Kiddush, you could be Motzi somebody else in Kiddush. I is a Bari Piyakafen. But since it's a Chiyav to make the Bari Piyakafen, so then I could do it. No, it's not the mice, it's 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 the nature of the bracha is nenin, which is rishos, and therefore I cannot be motzi you for somebody else. So it's a very lumdish question. Berchas amitzus, I could be motzi you. Berchas anenin, I can't be motzi you. What about a berchas anenin, which is obligatory? That's the suffix here in the Gemara. Could I be motzi with them or not? So the Gemara says, Tashma, that's being approved. Amar Ravashi Ravashi said, Yavina be'er papi, Rabbi Ravashi says, Yavina be'er papi, Yavina be'er papi, Yavina be'er papi, Yavina be'er papi, Yavina be'er then his sharecroppers would come in from outside, have him a so he'd make Kiddush again. So what do we see? We see that a person could make Kiddush, even though they were already Yotzei Kiddush, despite the fact that there's a Berchas, and then there's a Berchas in there. The Gemara says, Tan Rabban Alifaz, Alden Prusul Archen. A person can't break off a piece of bread for his guests, and can't ochum unless he's eating with them. So the idea here is that Hamotzi is a regular bracha. It's a discretionary, so you can't recite it for your guests unless you're obligated, um, unless you're sitting down. Is an obligation to eat unkin ochamam. Avaparis will bottle the beso. He could break bread for his children and other people. And other people in his house, and Mezos to train them. Meaning, for chinuch purposes, you're allowed to make the bracha even though you're not eating. It's very interesting. When it comes to stam, regular people, there's nothing compelling you to do it. So then you're not allowed to make the bracha unless you're actually eating with them. But as chinuch, to train the children of brachos, you could. When it comes to halal and megillah, even though we are the yotza, motzi, you're still able to be motzi other people. This means <coughs> the brachos, um, the bride, so presumably it's talking about the chiv of saying halal, saying megillah, no matter how many times you did it, you could still be motzi somebody else. Very interesting rules um, coming out from here. Now we move on to the new parak. And the opening issue is what happens if Rosh Hashanah coincides with Shabbos. So the Mishnah says, Yom Rosh Hashanah Shabbos. If Yom Tov Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbos, Ba Mikdash, Ayutokin, they would blow the shofar in the base of Mikdash, Avolom Medina, but not outside. Meaning in the base of Mikdash, they would blow the shofar if it was with Shabbos. But outside, they would not. We'll have to see the issue. What's the reason? What's the reason that you, the, 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 the reluctance to blow the shofar on Shabbos? And why do we specifically do it in the base of Mikdash? Misha Kharav, based on Mikdash once, based on Mikdash was destroyed. So Pashtis, you would never blow the show for any more on Shabbos. His good Ryokan and Zakh Ryokan was accommodated in a new Takana, she token Mukhamakushish for based in that wherever there is a based in um, then they should, in fact, still blow the shofar. Only in places where there's a basin. Amar Abelazar, no, it's only in Yavna. In other words, it's not any place where there's a basin. That first place where the Sanhedrin moved after after the base of Mikdash was destroyed. They went to Yavna, that's where Biochon and Zakai was, that's where there's an institution to blow the shofar on Shabbos, but not in other stops of the basin. On Rilo, they said, No, it's both for Yavna, and any place where there's a basin, it's not specific. The Mishnah continues, there was in one respect, Yerushalayim was bigger than Yavna. It sounds like we already mentioned one way that was different, which is strange. We didn't yet mention any discrepancy. So the Gemara will address that. But there was an additional way that Yerushalayim was, was bigger than Yavna. Any town that could see Yerushalayim, hear, hear from Yerushalayim, or was near, could come to Yerushalayim. In all those cases, token, they could blow the shofar on Shabbos. Meaning it sounds like it wasn't just specific to blowing in Yerushalayim in the court itself, but all of the general area of Yerushalayim could blow on Shabbos. Yes, they could blow, but only managed by the basin. If it wasn't in the basin, they were not allowed to blow. So basically, we're learning in the Mishnah that 
Shabbos, Rashana, Shabbos, there's a general reluctance to blow the shofar for some reason. For we still allow it to be done in a based in. When it was in Yerushalayim, there was greater powers throughout Yerushalayim and the surrounding area. And then Rabbi Yochum Mazak always misakin after the destruction that we should do it as well in anywhere there's a based in. But there it has less power only where the based in itself is. So first the Gemara says, Manani Mili, how do we know that generally you don't blow on Shabbos? Amar Rabbi Levi Ralachmar Rachan Rachanina Kosavakadomer one Pasik says by Rosh Hashanah Shabbason it's a day of Raz Zikron Turah. It remembers the Turah, meaning it sounds like you're not actually blowing, but uh, it's remembered. We we remember the fact that we blow the shofar. How do you remember? Like you recite the Psalkam about shofaros, and that's like as if you blew. So the Pasik is Mashra, you're not actually blowing the shofar. Because of Akhram, remember another Pasik says, Yom Yelachem, it should be a day of blowing, which sounds like you actually have to blow the shofar. So we say low kasha, it's not difficult. The first pasuk is Yantav Shachalios Bashavos. If Yantav is Shabbos and you don't actually blow the shofar, but you only remember the fact that the shofar is blown, you recite the psukim. But the second pasuk talking about a case where Yantav falls on a weekday, and a weekday you actually blow the shofar on Shabbos, you just remember that you blow the shofar. So we're coming out that there's mamash and where the Gemara is now that there's a drasha midaraisa. So there's a pasuk that that we darsh and we expound from the Torah that the holding of blowing the shofar is only to be done. Um, during the weekday, but if it's Shabbos, then we don't. So the Gemara says, If there's a drasha that you don't blow the shofar on Shabbos, then why would we be able to blow it within the base of Mikdash? The Mishnah said that, that we only don't blow it outside Yerushalayim. In Yerushalayim, we're okay with it. I mean, how can that be? Right? How does that make sense? If it's a drasha that you don't blow it, it's a dindar isa, then you wouldn't be able to override that in the base of Mikdash. And furthermore, the Gemara is saying there's nothing forbidden about it. There's no malacha. Blowing the shofar is not a malacha. There's nothing bad about it. If so, and we know it, so how could it be excluded from the Pasuk? Well, how could it be? And the Gemara brings the Tana to Shmuel. Tana to Shmuel says, Komalachas avodah losasu. It says, Komalachas avodah. Don't do a labor of work. Blowing the shofar, removing the special art of knowing how to remove the bread from the oven. That was like a special skill when they used to break the, bake the bread specifically very hot and stick it to the wall. It was, very, it was a craft to know how to take it out. Those things are skills. They're not considered creative labors. So the Torah is telling you that only things which are real labors are malachas daraisam. Blowing the shofar and moving the bread are not like that, so they cannot be usher. So what are we saying? How could we say that Zichron Turah is coming to establish a Dindar Isa, that you shouldn't blow the shofar on Shabbos? If we have a, a, the Torah saying, only Malachas Avaida, and these things are not, are, are only Chachma Vayna Malacha, so if they're Chachma Vayna Malacha, then there's no way that they could be excluded um, from being done on the Shabbos. That's the point. So we're asking basically two questions. Number one, if it is a Daraisa, then why would we be able to override in the base of Mikdash? And number two, we're asking that there's no way that there really could be a Din Daraisa not to blow the shofar on Shabbos. The Gemara says, El Amar Avim, Daraisa, Mishra Shari, 100%. It's totally much to blow the shofar on Shabbos by Daraisa, Lav Rabbanan, Uda Kazarba. It was a Takana, Midrabbanan, not to blow if Rosh Hashanah was Shabbos. Because the Rabbah, like Rabbah, Dhamma, Rabbah, Kuchem, it's Kiyah Shofar. Everybody's obligated. Veena Kol Bikim, it's Kiyah Shofar. But not everyone necessarily is an expert to know how to do it. Gezeira, the rabbis made a decree, Shemit Lenabiado, we're concerned somebody's going to hold the shofar in his hands, Vihilech, Eitzel and carry it in the street as he goes to an expert to learn how to blow it. We have written down Amish Rizram, and he was over on the halacha of carrying four Amos and Mishra Rizram, and that's Asr. So therefore, the Midrabanan, they said that we don't blow the shofar on Shabbos. Behind the time of the Lulav, this is the same reason why we don't take the Lulav if the first day of Sukkot is Shabbos. Behind the time of the Megillah, this is the same reason why we don't read the Megillah on Purim, which is on Shabbos. So it's Xerah Midrabanan. So now we understand that since it's only Xerah Midrabanan, the Rabbanan weren't. Where it goes are in the base of Mikdash, and then we're saying that in, in you know they're, 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 they're in the base of Mikdash are more careful, and then that was Rabbi Yochanan that posted the destruction of the base of Mikdash. Actually, you're allowed to blow anywhere where there is a basin.
Continues the Gemara. Remember, after the Takana, after the, the destruction of Yochanan Zaka was Misakin, that we blow wherever there's a basin. Once a Korban Shonim was Shabbos, this is after the Korban. Everyone came to Yavim to hear the blowing of the Shofar. So Amalai Rabbi Yochanan Zaka, the Bnei Yisrael, Rabbi Yochanan Zaka says to the Bnei Yisrael, they were like the leaders. Niska, let's blow. Amrulo, Nadan, let's first decide if we should do it. Meaning, everybody came because the Sanhedrin was there, but on the other hand, they weren't in Yerushalayim, so they didn't know what to do. So, Rabbi Yochanan Zaka wants to blow. The Bnei Yisrael is saying, let's first figure out if that's what we should do. Amalai Rabbi Yochanan Zaka said, no, the opposite. Niska, Nadan, let's first blow, and then we'll decide if we did the right thing in the future. You know, it's like look for this right now. People are expecting it. Let's just blow, and for the future, we'll decide later. Once they'd already blown, Amr Lo, the Bnei Yisrael says, "No, then okay, let's figure out if we should continue this for the future." Amalehem, he said, "For Anishma Karen Avne." Now the horn has already been heard in Yavne, meaning now it's too late. We're not going to change after the Maisa was already done. So the point that we're making is very interesting. He manipulated the halacha system. Is that once we already did it, we're not going to change it? So, so that's a fascinating sensitivity here. What we're saying is that Rebbe Zaka got the job done. He instituted that they should blow in Yavne, and the way he instituted it is because they didn't deliver about it first. They just did it. And once it was done, it was done. We're not going to change it for the future. So that's how Rabbi Yochanan Zaka was able to get it done that we blow even in Yavna. So then what happened was, it was Rabbi Lazar said, no, Rabbi Yochanan Zaka was only in only in Yavna. And the Chachamim said, no, it was any place where there's a basin. So the Gemara says, the people who said back are the same as the Tanakama, meaning the Tana is just repeating itself. What happened? First it said, wherever there's a basin. Rabbi, Rabbi Lazar says, no, only in Yavna. And then the Amrullah say back, no, Yavna, any place where there's a basin. So why are we repeating the view of the Tanakama? So the Kamar says, no, there's a discrepancy between the Tanakama and those who responded to Rebbe Lazar. The discrepancy is, if there's a transient basin, meaning everybody agrees that, that you blow it in the, in, in the presence of a court. But what if it's just a, a basin that's not, it's just coming here temporarily. So the Tanakama who said, wherever there's a basin, it, said, it implies even if it's a, a temporary basin, let's say they just came randomly to settle a dispute and they're there on Rosh Hashanah, then, then, then they will blow the shofar there. Whereas the other Amrullah are saying, no, it's only in a place where there's an established court. So it ends up that there are three opinions. Rabbi Lazar was saying you only blow in Yavna. The Tanakama was saying you blow any basin, even if it's a transient one. And the last opinion is saying you blow at any place where there's a fixed basin. And again, the idea is that there's a din banan not to blow on Shabbos because you might carry it. And we waive that restriction in a place of a basin.